My name is Dr. Shairi Turner, and I'm the Chief Health Officer at Crisis Text Line. So what inspired you to get into the medical field? So to get into the medical field, so since I was a teenager, I had wanted to become a doctor. Um, my brother suffered from asthma, and I really saw the the contributions that physicians can make to helping people, to helping children. Um, I was a biology major at Stanford University, kind of typical pre-med um, type A, uh, really hardworking. And I was the first person who was ultimately going to be a doctor in my family. And when I started med school, I definitely intended on becoming a primary care physician, helping communities and people in underserved communities, uh, adults and children to really navigate their own health care. Uh, I went to Case Western University uh, School of Medicine, and then I was accepted into the Harvard Combined Internal Medicine and Pediatrics Residency Program, really intending again to, to, to treat adults and children in primary care settings. And then during my medical residency, a very close friend of my family friend died of suicide and he was incarcerated at the time. And I had visited him in prison multiple times. And looking back now, you could see that the whole family, there was a whole kind of cycle of generational trauma that existed in the in, in his family. But I still, you know, went ahead and finished residency and decided. Um, after residency that I wasn't sure the direction that medicine was heading at the time would really allow me the opportunity to spend time with my patients because there were so many um, issues like the insurance uh, regulations around productivity and seeing patient, you know, one patient every 15 minutes. And to me, it was really about talking to my patients and building a relationship. And I felt like I, I couldn't necessarily do that. But I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. So I became interested in public health. Um, and I wasn't sure how that would fit into my career goals, but I applied for and was accepted to the um Harvard, the Commonwealth Fund Harvard University Fellowship in Minority Health Policy. And that was really an opportunity for uh, the fellows who were either physician, minority physicians or dentists to see public health at a higher level, to see what physicians could do to impact communities of color in leadership positions um, with a focus on public health, so community health. Uh, during that time, I did a practicum with the Department of Youth Services and uh, in Massachusetts and studied some of the substance abuse policies for their minority uh, adolescents who were incarcerated. And ultimately, um, my first real position was as the chief medical director for the Florida Department of Juvenile Justice. And that was kind of my entree into um, public health and looking at trauma and mental health. How did you get involved with the crisis tax line? Right. Life is a journey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Clearly not a straight traje trajectory. So um, I actually, uh, through networking, the the founder and CEO of Crisis Text Line reached out to me um, back in 2017, and I joined 
uh, crisis text line as the first chief medical officer at the time. And I was responsible for uh, our crisis supervision team. And those are the uh, mental health professionals who supervise our volunteers on the platform. Then I left and then returned in June of 2020 as our chief uh, transformation officer, guiding our organization's culture transformation, uh, focused on embedding equity throughout the organization. Um, and then I transitioned to my current position as the chief health officer, where I lead the public policy and advocacy team and handle the organization, we handle the organization's external policy and advocacies and, and um, government and university and education partnerships as they pertain to mental health. So can you tell me a little bit about the crisis tax line? Yes. So Crisis Text Line is a national not-for-profit organization that provides free 24-7 uh, text-based mental health support and crisis intervention in English and in Spanish. And anyone can text HELP to 741-741 or AYUDA to 741-741 to be um, received by a live trained volunteer who is supervised by our staff, mental health professional, the crisis supervisors. And we like to consider ourselves a mental health emergency room because we have a texting triage system that uh, allows us to identify through words that texters use, whether they are at higher risk for suicide, um, in which case their text is um, push to the top of the queue and they get, uh, you know, an opportunity to be connected to a volunteer sooner. So when talking to someone going through a tough time, how important is empathy? Empathy is, empathy is paramount. Em empathy is hugely important because um, empathy is really the capacity to feel what another person is experiencing, to step into their shoes or their frame of reference and really be able to um, see, see life through their position. And it's important to be empathetic and understanding when someone is going through a crisis. And we always say a crisis to you is a crisis to us because it's not about um our volunteers or our service judging in any way what someone finds to be a crisis, what someone finds to be incapacitating. Um, so we're always, our volunteers are trained to be able to support anyone from someone struggling with their homework to someone who's on the verge of suicide. And it's because our training, our 30 hour uh, online training prepares them to be empathetic, no matter what the crisis might be. Have you seen the stigma of just talking about uh, suicide prevention lessening? So, yes, I think um, it's amazing. I think the I believe that the pandemic was a real accelerant for people to start discussing because they just couldn't, <laughs> you know, the isolation kind of put everybody over the edge yeah. and people felt like they had to, they didn't know where to turn. Um, and then you start, we started to see 
um, uh, athletes and celebrities talking about their mental health and pausing their careers. And these are, you know, people who, you know, generally celebrities, people think that, you know, everything goes well in their world, right. but they, you know, they're, they're saying like, I have to stop. I can't be an elite athlete and continue to not to deny my mental health or to deny that part of my well-being. So um, that in and of itself started to give words for people to start to talk about. You know, they could talk about the context of an athlete who was sharing their mental health journey, but in doing so, it gave words. And it gave the ability for uh, people to start talking about it themselves. And then, you know, we start to see more resources. We have, you know, in the midst of the pandemic, telemental health. So people are um, able to get, you know, some folks are able to have access to more resources. Um, but I do feel like we're still, it's still a process. There's so many people who do not have the mental health services, you know, at the right time to the, at the right level with the right kind of mental health provider and they are in need, but at least we're now trying to shine a light on the stigma and, um, elevating it and, and having the conversations, uh, so people will start to get some support. I know for me, for telehealth uh, therapy, that changed my life, just being able to access it uh, much easier than before. Yes, yes. And when when people in crisis reach out to us at Crisis Text Line, they can reach us at any moment, 24-7. And to have that um, confidentiality and anonymity and be anywhere from, you know, your bedroom to the boardroom, because anywhere everyone is, you know, people are texting us, uh, people are texting in general all the time. So no one has to know that you're in crisis and you're reaching out for help. So I think accessibility has changed the game for so many people. How does it feel for you to be helping people? So it's, it's a personal journey, right? It's, it's filled with all, all the things, all the emotions, the challenges, the reward of, of helping other people, but it's also even more so humbling and it's humbling because, you know, both personally and professionally to be in this organization, helping others to be in a space where you can give support to someone else, where you can empathize with someone else is a privilege, right? Because it means that you have a certain level of personal stability and personal well-being that allows you to say to someone else, come, let me sit with you. I can take some of this load from you and help you out. What are some of the things that motivate you? So helping people has always motivated me. I think going into medicine for that reason initially, um, because I could help people. I wanted to help people navigate their own health and empower them around their own health. Um, but empowering people now to take control of their self-help and their self-care and well-being, uh, showing people how they're childhood experiences tie or their adverse childhood experiences 
tie to their current mental health and well-being really motivates me because I think as people start to understand that, you know, what happened to them as a child and what continues to happen to folks, you know, just in and around our current, you know, the the current world environment um, has a direct impact on what they experience and how they feel today. And then equally, I'm motivated by sharing my own experiences about mental health and helping people understand that there is light, you know, there is a pathway out of the darkness and that therapy is effective and treatment is effective and just acknowledging that there's so many new ways to try to seek support now that didn't used to exist and how much that can help our day-to-day well-being. So I'm I'm motivated by all the things that help us to normalize good mental health and well-being for everyone. Well, you do a lot to help others, but what do you do to help your own mental health? So I believe in the power of therapy. I believe that sitting and talking to someone and talking through your concerns, your worries, your stressors is helpful. I believe that. Um, I also believe in <laughs> in the power of sleep. So I think everybody, um, personally, I make sure that I get seven to eight hours of sleep because I know it correlates directly to my mood, to my well-being. I try to exercise regularly. I try to drink a lot of water. All the things that we try to do to support our body actually very much impacts and supports um, our mental health. I also am very clear about, you know, who I spend my time with, right? Like, am I with people who are supporting and uplifting, positive, or am I spending my time with people who are um, negative and struggling, right? So it's one thing to be around people who you're trying to help uplift, but it's another thing when people are trying to detract from, you know, your own light. So I'm, I'm very clear about when and where and who I spend my time with. Um, and then I'm, I really think that it's important to, that I find the world news and the world news doesn't find me. And what I mean by that is I curate kind of what, what comes into my mind because there's, there's so much going on in this world that is devastating for people. I mean, we know we don't even have to list it out both nationally and internationally, but there's only so much of that I have control over. And when I, you know, allow all of that imagery to just, you know, turn on the news and there it is, that's different than what I like to practice, which is when I seek out, you know, updating myself on the world news and what's going on nationally and internationally, I do it in a very um, prescriptive way, meaning I will find it either through print or through audio and not necessarily through visuals, because I feel like that has so much more of an impact on, you know, what goes into my mind and stays there. Right. And I, and I choose my, you know, I choose, <laughs> choose what I can do. So how I help people in my work and personally and through relationships and friendships is my contribution to goodness in this world. Right. I know that there's only so much that I can control. And I think lastly, for my own mental health, I really am 
practice gratitudes and just give thanks for my family and my friends and the opportunity to to serve people in the way that we do at Crisis Text Line. So where do you want to see the organization, say, in the next uh, three to five years? Yeah, so in the next three to five years, Crisis Text Line is going to be about impact. So global impact, expanding access and um, being or continuing to be this in the moment resource for people across our country. There is continuous need for this. The, the pain isn't going away. The stress isn't going away. Um, and we really want to be about that global impact. So connecting people to resources, to services so that they can, they too can feel the benefits of uh, mental health and mental health support. How can people reach out and learn more? Yes. Anyone can text HELP or IUDA to 741-741. They can reach us on WhatsApp and web chat um, on crisistextline.org. Uh, we are available 24-7 for anyone who is in need in English or in Spanish. If anyone wants to make a difference that they can please reach, uh, find us on crisistextline.org and um, how to become a volunteer is one of the links there. And they can take our self-paced 30 hour training and become a volunteer to support others in need.